I found that even though Revelation was long and hard and was like climbing Mount Fuji in your bare feet, <laughs> I decided to make it easy on myself. I'm going to go through the Gospel of John, but not word by word, but concept by concept. And the concept is, who is Jesus? And from that, we will understand more deeply and hopefully graphically who the Lamb of God really is. That's our purpose for being here this morning, by the way. That's our purpose for having come into the Christian world and understanding that we're not just a bunch of good friends, but we each have a relationship with Jesus, the Lamb of God. And it's only through the Lamb of God that we can approach the throne of God. And I hope that that will kind of be like a comforting blanket. We don't need blankets these days, it's, it's too warm, but like a comforter. We're going to go through this morning and in the next couple of weeks, just the I am's. The I am's, it's not I am, it's I am, okay? And Jesus said this over and over and over again, I am, and then followed it with a description of describing himself. That is what we are going to be thinking about these days, and I trust that it will be a blessing to all of us. We're going to start with an introduction, and this I am idea didn't start with Jesus. Well, yes, it did, but when Jesus was on the earth, it didn't start there. It started way before that, to the days of Israel's birth and coming into being and finding out who their God really is. Because the peoples of the world had lost the whole concept and understanding of the Creator and who He was. And so God called a man who actually had been born of a slave girl, but raised in the court of a king. And that was Moses. And Moses, as you remember, fell out of favor with Pharaoh. In fact, Pharaoh heard that he had killed one of his servants, and so Pharaoh was going to come after Moses. But God spared Moses, and he ran for his life. And he was gone to that land of Midian. He worked for a man that uh, his daughter, he married. And one day something happened to catch Moses' eye as he was out working for his father-in-law. And he saw a burning bush was burning. Well, that could easily have happened with the lightning hitting a bush. But there was something mysterious about this fire. The fire was burning, but the bush was not. And so Moses went over there. This story is told in Exodus chapter 3. 
as Moses was serving his father-in-law Jethro's sheep in the wilderness of Mount Horeb. Moses saw this burning bush and he approached it, but the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the blazing fire. Whenever you come across that saying, the angel of the Lord, that is not Gabriel, that is not another angel. Remember what we studied from Revelation, the very beginning of Revelation? It talks about the angel of the churches. What angel is that? Or what is the actual word there? It's for a messenger or a witness, someone that is telling something to someone else. That's what angel actually means, that, that they are carrying a message. This angel is called the angel, the angel of the Lord. And who came to show us the Father? What angel was that? You think it's a trick question? No, it's not. It's a very easy answer. Who is the angel that came to us and told us about his father? It was Jesus. That's the angel of the Lord. And he came to Moses. And Moses was startled, particularly when it says, God called to Moses from the burning bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses answered, here I am. And then God said, do not come near here, but remove your sandals from your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. Then God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. But the Lord said to Moses, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians to bring them back to this land. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people and the sons of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. Moses had a guilty conscience, perhaps. He says, who am I? I'm the one who killed an Egyptian. I'm the one that Pharaoh wants to kill. It's interesting that Moses uses similar words to describe himself as who am I? And God says to Moses, certainly I will be with you and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship at this mountain. That was Moses' guarantee that this plan was going to work. But still, Moses argued against the Lord. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. But then they will ask, What is his name? What shall I tell them? What is his name? There were many gods in Egypt. 
Moses had learned about all of those gods because he had been raised right in the very center of the temple worship in Egypt under Pharaoh's daughter's raising. He knew all the gods of Egypt. God answers him, I am the I am. I am the I am. It's a very interesting study that we could do in just picking out throughout the Bible who is the God that we truly worship. There are so many concepts to understand the whole breadth of who God is. And so that's what this study is about, is to find out all the names that John gives us in the Gospel of John. I think it'll be an interesting study. Thus shall you tell the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to the generations. It's interesting that that looks like some Japanese writing. In fact, we're discovering these days, in fact, for about the last 15 years or so or more, People have been studying Japanese and they discover that it looks just like the Hebrew script. In fact, some of them have the same shape and sound. So you guys here in Japan, actually you had it before present day Jews had it because they lost their language. And since when I was born, they began to learn what their language is again. And they dug it up and were able to then begin to speak true Hebrew. So you've got to jump on the Jews. But this means Yahweh, or as we say in English, and by the way, English is so far off of the true pronunciation of anything. <laughs> if you read the Japanese Bible and look at the Tanakh, some of the concepts are almost identical in terms of the sentence structure and the way it's spoken. So Japanese has got some kind of a connection there, and that's what people are trying to figure out. Here's uh, our outline for this morning. The seven I am's in John's Gospel. Number one, I am the bread of life, and we're only going to cover one. There's seven of them that we'll cover in following Sundays. Let's read a portion of the story of the feeding of the 5,000. I am the bread of life. Actually, chapter 6, do you know what chapter 6 is famous for? There's 71 verses in this chapter. Now, what makes that kind of unusual is that the Bible that the Jews had didn't have chapters and verses. And so when those in Europe who came up with the idea of let's break the Bible up into chapters and verses, they got to chapter 6. 
It's all one big story. Even of Jesus walking on the water. 71 verses. Let's read it. Now that Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. So I guess Jewish custom was they counted the men, but they didn't count the women and children. So was this really the feeding of 10,000? Could be, but we call it the 5,000 because that was the number that was given us. Jesus said, have them sit down. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish, as much as they wanted. That sounds like an MCC potluck. We always have, seems like we have food left over. When they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled the 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus came as, as a man he desired to be in the temple as a little boy. You remember he stayed over for three days. His parents were looking for him. They didn't know where he was, and they found him in the temple. He was drawn to the temple. And who was he talking to? The scribes and the Pharisees who were in the temple. And they were astounded at the knowledge that he had. He was raised in an incredible home by two godly parents. But Jesus is saying here, my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes out of heaven and gives life to the world. It wasn't Moses. And one of the things that Jesus was so adamant, so much against in his ministry, his short ministry, 
was the way that the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees handled the word of God and its interpretation. And he challenged them, challenged them, challenged them on this. They had it wrong. And he came as the Son of God, as the Lamb of God, to set truth before them. And he took every opportunity to make them understand this. And they wouldn't because their hearts were set on their own rulership in the temple. And they were holding back the truth from the people. They were holding back bread for the people. And Jesus came to show that and he challenged it here. Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread out of heaven. And so it was that Jesus said, it was God who gave them manna. My father who gave them the manna. It wasn't Moses. Moses really didn't have anything to do with it. The people were asking, what are we going to eat? And God's answer was, wait until tomorrow morning and I'll show you. And a dew came down from heaven and settled on the earth. And in the camp that morning as they got up and the dew had evaporated and here was bread. Here was manna. And they came out on the, on the ground and they looked and they said, Nandeska. And somebody who knew Indian said, Nandewanai. <laughs> It's bread. So in the process of the ages, Israel knew what bread was. It was built into their DNA, knowing what true bread is about. But they forgot who made it and who gave it to them. And they said, Moses gave us the manna. It's from him. And Jesus says, no. Truly, truly, I say it was not Moses. But it was my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. And Jesus said, I am. I am the bread of life. In verse 48 to 50, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that the one may eat of it and not die. So Jesus was transitioning here then to speaking of what is true bread, what really feeds us, what really satisfies the deep hole in all of our hearts. It can't be food. Food does not satisfy. It probably satisfies for how many minutes? In fact, you can start eating a bowl of spaghetti with all kinds of spices and, and all. But after about, well, at least for me anyway, four or five bites of it, it doesn't really have the tantalizing, satisfying, and it lays in your stomach. This is the bread that really satisfies. It doesn't give you that heavy feeling. It fills you with joy and release and understanding 
of who our true father is. And we call him father. That's the dearest name that we have next to mother. But he is our father. And that is what we miss in all religion, is that oneness with the Savior that can bring us into the relationship with the one who made us and knows us the best. That's what I am is. Who am I? And we all ask that. I have. Jesus knew who he was. I am the bread of life. Moses said to them, it is the bread which the Lord has given to you to eat. Number two point. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. I said to you that you have seen me and do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. That's the promise of Jesus to us. One of the things that disturbed the Jews of Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, was that Jesus was taking that which was apparently the most sacred thing, that they were the servants of the one true God. And he was equating himself with that God. And to them, that was blasphemy. That was direct pride and worthy of death as far as they were concerned. And that's why Jesus died. He dared to say that because it was true. And they didn't know their scriptures. And they didn't know that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were planning for Jesus' entrance into the world as the Lamb of God. And so those religious Jews were trying to hang on to their power and their knowledge and their control of the people, let alone the fact that they also were in darkness and didn't really know who the Messiah was, the one that was to come. They couldn't admit that, except those that came at night, like Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. He was one of the rulers of the Jews, asking questions. Who are we to expect? And Jesus sat down with him and talked with him to the point where that is the way that the Gospel of John opens up. Jesus went, first of all, to the leaders, or the leaders came to him, to give them opportunity. And that man, Nicodemus, I believe, received and was a believer, but he was outnumbered. And the reason why Jesus died, as far as the Jews were concerned, was because he was a blasphemer. 
and they were angry and they wouldn't have him. Jesus teaching cut across both the Pharisees and the Sadducees in what they were teaching, what they were trying to bring of an understanding to the people of that day. So Jesus says to them, I am the living bread. And none of these things can the world satisfy. He is the true living bread of God, come from heaven. This uh, came to me this week. This is the same verse that we had up just a second ago. And I was really struck with the fact that in this portion of scripture right here, there are 10 wills, W-I-L-L. Some of them are nouns and some of them are verbs. But there are 10 wills in this passage. What does it say to me? What difference does that make? Or what is just the English language? Well, yeah, but I'm speaking in English and I'm preaching in English, so let's just think in English. What does will mean? What is it about will? Well, first of all, God had a will and a purpose in order to save the world. He had a plan before the world was made. He had this plan. How could he do that? Because he is God. He had that will. And that will comes out in this passage. Will is also something that we as people have. Anyone who will come to me will find rest, peace, salvation. But you have to will it. You have to do it. You have to follow through. You can't just think, that's a good concept. I like that idea. But it has to be something that moves your heart to say, Jesus, I recognize you as my Savior and my Lord. I am a sinner. I need your life. I need your cleansing in my life. That's why will is so important in this passage. That's what Jesus is appealing to. Let's go on to our final point. John 6, 48 to 51. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. And this was also a statement that probably the Jewish people just could not stomach. They could not. How would anybody talk like that? Does it mean that he's going to give them his flesh? But Jesus goes beyond the the temporal things that we long for. He challenges us to consider our life in the face of issues that are at stake. And the ultimate question is, are you ready to face death, the end of your life? That's not to scare us, but to make us aware of the fact that we are mortal beings. We do not have life that we can hang on to. 
there is going to be a time when I will drop dead. And some days I feel like I could drop dead. But you know, none of us know how long we have. This is the day of salvation. Now is the time to will to receive him. Not my will, but yours be done. And so these days, when we talk about manna, we wonder, is God really, does he really have a plan for my life? And I realize I'm not going to live forever. And manna did not last more than 24 hours, except if it was picked on Friday. Then it lasted until Sunday. But other than that, the manna rotted. So they were only to pick what they would eat. Otherwise, it would rot quite quickly. They didn't have refrigerators in those days or freezers. Otherwise, we'd know how to make manna. But the point here is that our lives are transitory when they pass away. And so did those who turned away when God gave them an opportunity to go into the promised land. They said, no, we can't do it. There's enemies in that land. And they refused to follow Moses. They refused to follow God's word. And God sent them for another 40 years to wander in the wilderness. And some people have been wandering for a long time. There are a lot of people here in Japan that have been wandering for over 40 years. We've run into some of them. Oh, I remember. I remember hearing what you just shared with us. I remember hearing that in a Sunday school when I was a little kid. And they're in their 70s and 80s. So the gospel has been planted here in Japan. But there's not a will for them to say, I need it now. And we just pray for some of these people that we've met. They can almost tell us what the salvation story is about because they heard it as a kid. But they won't. They will not to. That's our task as believers, to tell the story and then pray for them and let the Holy Spirit speak to them. It's not your job to make a Christian. God just tells you to share your story and let the Holy Spirit use that and pray that the Holy Spirit uses it. That's the gospel, that I came to Christ. That's a miracle. Your birth in Christ is a miracle. Yes, what is it? It is so precious to hang on to because Jesus says, I am the living bread. And he's offered that to us. The bread also, which I give for the life of the world, is my flesh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the living bread. Thank you that you see our hunger and our thirst. Thank you that you know us inside out because you are our maker. And as we consider this for ourselves, we, we thank you for your patience and the way in which you keep teaching us and we become more and more aware of what a glorious 
story. What a glorious plan you've given through your son, the living bread, that we might eat and be satisfied. So teach us how to be sensitive to those around us in sharing your truth. Energize us. Fill us. Open our eyes. Anoint us. Send us. For the honor and the glory and the praise of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, we ask this. Amen.